0: Hey y'all, it's Scotty. I just wanted to apologize right on the front end of this episode for dropping this a little bit late. I really would like to get all of the Please Bear With Me podcast out on Mondays and no later than Tuesdays, but unfortunately we had some production errors and woes along the way, and so I'm very sorry that we're getting this to you halfway through the week. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. We will do our best to get the rest out on Mondays. For now, here is episode three of Please Bear With Me. Hi, I'm Scotty. Some of my favorite memories from college involve Baylor football. And many of these memories are highlighted by the banter that came along with the territory. Yeah, it's the banter amongst friends that makes sports fun. And that's exactly what I'm here to bring to you. Welcome to the Please Bear With Me podcast. What's going on, Baylor fans? Welcome to Episode 3 of the Please Bear With Me Podcast. I'm Scotty Swingler. If you need an introduction to who I am or what this show is all about, you can go back and listen to Episodes 1 and 2, both of our preseason episodes. They were both fun to make. They were fun to put together. They feature interviews with John Morris and your boy Q of ESPN Central Texas. And I'm really happy with what we got out of those, so if you need an introduction to what this is all about, you can check it out. But essentially, we are here to banter and discuss Baylor football. And after Saturday's loss, there's a lot to discuss. Coming up later in the episode, you will hear my conversation with Baylor legendary, honorable mention All-American running back, Terrence Gannaway. Terrence is a smart guy, he sees things from a player's perspective as someone who's been on that field and run those schemes and played college football, and so I'm really, really excited to have Terrence on this episode, breaking down exactly what he saw as the issues against Liberty. But before we get to Terrence Ganaway, I've got a little segment that we're going to throw in here called Reaction or Overreaction. As many of you know, Baylor fans and college football fans in general have a tendency to overreact to one game, especially the first game of the season, and so I'm going to break down just a few of the reactions I've seen since Saturday and let you know if they are reactions or if they are overreactions. I will let you know that they are reactions with this sound. And overreactions will be signaled with this sound. <coughs> Are you ready? Here we go. Anu Solomon is not the right guy at quarterback. <coughs> anu Solomon played a great game at quarterback. In fact, I would argue, and I tweeted this out somewhere in the third quarter Anu Solomon was the only thing keeping us in that game late with his legs, with his arm, and he showed some of the qualities that I kind of ranted about in the last episode when looking at Charlie Brewer, which is moxie and toughness and grit and leadership. Anu Solomon won me over Saturday with the way he played and showed consistent poise in the face of adversity, leadership, confidence. I really liked what we saw out of the quarterback, and I think that he has earned the job going forward until something... Just terrible happens with him back there, but he really, really played well. I think if you think Anu Solomon is the problem, you weren't watching the same football game I was watching. The Baylor defense is in trouble. Yeah, that's a pretty appropriate reaction to what we saw on Saturday. And it comes on multiple levels. First of all, you have a defensive line that has been talked up All spring, summer, and fall, you have a defensive line coach, Elijah Robinson, who Matt Rule says is the best in the nation, and yet this Baylor defense against Liberty gets one sack and doesn't put any considerable amounts of pressure on the quarterback? That was an issue, and obviously the secondary was an issue, but there were just all sorts of problems, people not getting their heads around to the ball issues with who was covering who and who was covering what zone and assignments and all of those sorts of things. On top of that, missed open field tackling. I thought that was something that would be gone with the Bryles and Bennett era gone with Phil Snow coming in and Matt Rule emphasizing being physical, but we missed tackles left and right, left and right. I don't know what the deal is, but the defense played rough. Now, I'm going to give a shout-out to a few defensive players who I thought played really well. Taylor Young played really well. That guy was all over the ball. He had a fantastic game. He was the only guy who seemed to make big tackles in big moments. Got to say, Taylor Young played well. And I'm going to give a little bit of a pass to two of those guys in the secondary. First of all, Harrison Hand played pretty darn well. For a true freshman to get out there um, who wasn't supposed to start at all when the season began but he had to go out there in the line of duty due to some injuries and he played really well I thought he missed sure he missed a couple of assignments he gave up a couple of big catches but he also stopped the ball quite a few times and he stuck to his receivers really well and he looked rangy and fast and he made a couple of big tackles in the open field I thought for a true freshman Harrison Hand showed a lot of upside and played about as well as you could expect him to and I'm also going to give a pass to Blake Lynch And I know some of you have given me a hard time because I kind of, you know, am a big old fan of Blake Lynch over here. But listen, Matt Rule last week said that Blake was putting in time at defensive end, at linebacker, at safety, at running back, at wide receiver, and at cornerback. And he played almost the entire game at corner. How many snaps in practice did he really get back there at corner? Probably not a lot. And for him to trot out there and play almost every series at cornerback, and for the most part, guys, he played pretty well. He gave up a couple of big catches, including a touchdown. Yes, he did. But for a guy that came into college to play receiver and who's been practicing at maybe five or six different positions in the last two weeks, I can't blame him for having a couple of mistakes. He looked uncomfortable. He didn't look like he was a natural cornerback. But there were a few plays he stayed on the ball, stayed on the receiver, and made a play. And I think he, he gave you full effort and he did about all you could ask him to do. It's a really good news that we have Jamison Houston returning this week because man, that secondary looked rough. We seriously need to reevaluate our expectations for the season. Yeah, that's that's a good reaction. Listen, I said that we'd win seven games, and I really, really thought that was a good, solid, not too optimistic view. Now that's looking incredibly optimistic. It's clear that this is not going to be a lock and load type of year like I thought it might be and like I think a lot of us thought it might be. A bowl game at this point would be a successful season after what we saw on Saturday. Matt Rule seems to be pointing the program in the right direction, seems to be doing things in a way that we like, but the results weren't there. It might simply just be a rebuilding year, y'all. It might simply just be the bottom before we start the climb back to the top. And that's not fun, and I don't think any of us thought it would be that. But it's clear that it's going to take some time to install what Matt Rule wants to install to get the right guys out there. And we're just not healthy. And at the end of the day, maybe four or five wins is what this year is going to look like. And we're just going to have to start anticipating that so that we can be excited if the team does start to excel. Matt Rule was the wrong hire. (laughs) Y'all, that is the definition of overreaction. We've got to see the way the rest of this season plays out and probably the next two or three before we know if Matt Rule was the right hire or not. What he's doing off the field and what he's doing with those dudes as students and as men is awesome. And so clearly he was not a bad hire. But... We are also here to win football games, and Matt Rule said in his introductory press conference, I'm here to win national championships. So, coach, your fans want to see some wins. Your fans want to see some wins. With the situation he walked into, I don't know how you could expect him to just walk in and win a bunch of games. And maybe, again, we all erred to think that Matt Rule could just walk in and win a bunch of games this first season. we got to give it some time. We gotta give it some time. I'm not saying he was or wasn't the right hire because I think it's far too soon to tell. One game over reaction, y'all. Give it some time. I just gotta take just a second and thank my friend Sean Scubel for designing the sick logo associated with the podcast. Hey, if you or your small business need a great logo. Sean will work really hard to make your visions come to life at a decent price. Search Skubal Designs, S-K-U-B-A-L Designs on Instagram. And if you message him and let him know that you heard about him through the Please Bear With Me podcast, he will give you 10% off your first order.
1: All right, Terrence, uh, first of all, how are you doing? i'm doing great um i appreciate uh, being on here with you and uh, hopefully uh i'll make up for a good segment yes sir yes
0: sir T- tell me and baylor fans i'm sure want to know what you're doing these days How-
1: how's life going family yeah yeah life is going good um live up here in the dfw area uh, in arlington i uh, live about uh, two miles north of the the Cowboy Stadium or Jerry World or AT&T, however you want to phrase it. Um, uh, got a wife, three kids, and we're staying busy. I work in the medical technology industry, uh, and I've been there for about a year. So I still get to hang around some Baylor people and flexible enough to get out, get down to Waco some weekend. So that's always fun. And you said you're still doing that
0: pregame. Which uh, which Television station in Waco does that pregame show on Saturday mornings?
1: Yep, so KWTX, uh, Fox affiliate, uh, is able to do that that pregame, that Baylor game day show. So this is our fourth season doing it. Uh, Really looking forward to, you know, how everything changes, how the conversation and the prep work changes uh, from the new coaching staff. But also very excited at how, you know, Baylor turns the page and um, get ready to, to usher in this new era. But yeah, so sometimes we get to go on Fox Sports uh, Southwest and then Fox Sports One. So, you know, a lot every weekend it should be regional, and Mm -hmm. you know, maybe a few times we might get to go national on Fox Sports One. How did you get involved? Did they ask you to do that, or did you know somebody? Did you ask to do that? You know, I was asked by um, you know a, a Baylor coach a few years ago to help you know introduce like some people that had won like a tour of the facility. And um, I was asked to help break down some film. A lot of the other coaches are probably on the recruiting trail um, or off. It was the summertime, and, you know, I was in there, and I I was breaking down film with the fans. I was showing them what they were looking for, what we're looking for from an offensive standpoint. And then, um, um, you know, the GM of KWTX was there, and he's like, hey, you know, I'm thinking about doing a show. You think you'll be interested in it? I was like, you know, why not? I mean, hey, l- you, let's try it.
0: He said, you know what you're talking about. Yeah, Well,
1: so. <laughs> I, I don't know if he, he ever thought it. I just made it sound really good. Uh, but uh, it was definitely fun to, to just sit there and talk football. I love it. I, yeah, mean, yeah. I, I bleed it. Yeah. Okay, so I, I mentioned this to you
0: earlier before we started recording, but you see things from a completely different perspective because you've been on the field, you've played uh, at all levels, um, and so you, you can see things that fans can't see. That being said, let's get into it.
1: That sounds like a loaded question right it's there. It's not a
0: loaded question. I'm just going to ask you an
1: open-ended question. Yeah.
0: What happened Saturday?
1: What happened? You know, um, a lot of things that there's that's new and, you know, you know, I tell my wife all the time uh, when we're teaching our kids, and I was like, you, um, you look for excuses and I look for expectations. Uh Um, with with how my kids do things. And I think that's what we did last week as fans. Uh, There is no excuse for why we lost against Liberty. Liberty played lights out. But Baylor didn't help themselves by uh, taking care of the ball, uh, taking care of a defensive, um, you know, Third downs and giving up huge well, third downs. Was in the it letter.
0: sixteen for twenty-two or something like that? I, I think it was I like I think
1: yet. I, I want to say I read somewhere it was nine for nine. Like they were they hit nine in a row, um, late in the game. Yeah. So I mean, y- your defense is obviously winning the you know, sticks first and second down, but you're giving up nine third downs. I mean, this just you got to get your defense off the field. Defense played a hundred over a hundred snaps, so uh, that that is tough. Um, But um, my expectation is that we were going to come out very excited to play, Uh, uh, a lot of energy, running around, flying around. I knew there would be some errors just because it's it's a new system on both sides of the ball. But we look dead. We, We look flat. And I know a lot of people have been talking about this NFL, you know, pedigree, pedigree, pedigree. NFL doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. If you're a college football coach and you got to win college football games. Mm-hmm. If this whole team went to the NFL won the Super Bowl, it doesn't mean anything if this team goes 0-12 in college. So you get paid to be a college football coach. and But these guys look like they had went through an NFL training camp. Mm-hmm. Beating up on each other, tired, a lot of injuries, people getting hurt during the game, fatigue. I don't think I've ever seen a Baylor receiver get caught. Pooh Strickland caught that one pass and usually everyone in the stands is jumping up and right. i mean and he gets walked down he he just looked and i know he's not one of our fastest receivers but he looked exhausted mm. and so um, like i said there's no excuses for why we let liberty you know do what they did against us i hope we can bounce back i'm very uh, optimistic that there would not be another game where we face a quarterback in a offensive scheme that is so in tune in the yeah. line. I mean these this guy was hitting darts and they caught everything. I don't think they we will ever face another team like that. But also I don't think we need to because the talent level will be that much greater. Right. So um, I'm I'm hopeful that we can get back on track and have a little bit more energy and pep in our step this weekend against UTSA. If not, it doesn't get much easier after that. You mentioned, you know, taking them through almost an NFL
0: camp and the, you know, hitting each other and being physical. That was something that I think was seen as a positive before the game. So, do you think that they were, it was too much, too much work, too much hitting, too much? What, what was it
1: that you think caused that look of exhaustion and not being ready to go? You know, I I think it is. I mean, in the NFL. When you have all the hidden, someone get hurt. There's a, a million other guys working out, training to come in. Try and make a team. That's just as good, if not better. Right. right. In college, you don't have that depth. You right. don't have another five-star recruit just hanging out. That's right. about to come. You know, right when you know Hasty gets down, you got another five-star running back. In the NFL, you do. You can, People are indispensable. That's why guys get cut, and they just had a, a Pro Bowl season last year. You have 18, 20-year-old guys that their bodies are still growing, they're not fully matured, and they need to recover, rest and recover. That's huge. And I, that's one of the things that, you know, Coach Kai's preached on is, you know, recover, 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 and then play fast. Hmm. This team didn't didn't look recovered. They didn't look fresh. They didn't look like they, they were playing fast. Hmm. Uh, and I think that's a di- direct reflection on the strength and conditioning program and also the head coach. Yeah. Okay, so let's go a little more
0: specific on the field. We'll start defensively. You you were talking to me earlier about um, the scheme and and trying to run cover three against uh, you know college receivers, especially the Big Twelve receivers, ain't going to work. Will you will you explain to these listeners how what you were saying, kind of what you saw as scheme wise on the field from the defense that just was not cutting it?
1: Yeah, you know, typically, you know, Gary Patterson. Uh, you look at Tommy Tupperville. You look at Charlie Strong. Typically, when you see a cover three, it's a, a pass defense. Um, uh, you got more people to take away deeper zones, deeper threats. Um, however, when you see that, you see bigger personnel. You see uh, a 12 personnel, you know, one running back, two tight ends. Mm-hmm. Or, or you see a 21 personnel, two mm-hmm. running backs, and, and one tight end. And so you sit, typically see a, a smaller package, and you got a split in and a wide receiver split out. Um, and so it's easier to do that because you can chase a 280 or 80-pound tight end running out in the flats, but you can't chase, you know, a Cole Beasley that's really, really quick and, and gets open and then catches and make plays out in the flats. Mm-hmm. If you're out, so your outside linebacker in a cover three is responsible for the flats. Mm-hmm. And if a team knows that, what they will do, they will run off the the deep third corner get them out of the pitcher, and then run a speed out, and boom, you're catching the speed out, and we're chasing inside out. Receiver catches the ball, stops on a dime, assesses, jukes because the guy's running full speed, and cuts back up inside and then gets back on the sideline uh, for big plays. So what we see a lot in, in the Big 12 is cover two man and a lot of quarters play because quarters allows your safeties to come downhill if tight ends or slot guys are blocking. Uh, but it also allows you to split up the back end a lot deep, uh, a lot better. Uh, and then there was a lot of blown coverages. Um, you know, you know these guys are are not reading correctly, and that was a problem with uh, the old coaching staff. Uh, but the the scheme was a, a little bit different, and we got zero push on uh, the defensive line. Yeah, which is it's hard to say because. Um, The quarterback was getting rid of the ball. A lot of his throws, about 90% of his throws are rhythm throws. Mm -hmm. Catch the ball, one, two, three, let go. One, two, three, let go. I mean, so he wasn't holding the ball long. And typically when you see that, it means receivers are running free and they're not getting bumped and disrupted where you force the quarterback to hold the ball longer. And then that's what calls coverage sacks. So if your coverage is really, really good, the defense has longer. The defensive line has a longer time to get there. But there wasn't any pass rush, although we did play well against the run, outside a couple of big plays. But um, you know, it's you know, it's too late to say sorry. So, which was the bigger problem? They were both problems, but which was the bigger problem?
0: Was the defensive line just not being aggressive enough, physical enough, or was it was it the coverage was just too soft? Because it frustrates the fool out of me. I don't I I don't know scheme nearly as well as you do, but I can tell you. For years, we had Baylor had our corners lining up 10, 12 yards off the line, yeah. giving up play after play after play, and I like when we press. We torched Oklahoma a few years back up in Norman because they were lining up 10, 12 yards, and we were just throwing it to Corey Coleman un- underneath the whole game. We're lining up 12 yards off, off the line of scrimmage. That frustrates the fool out of me. So is it, is it a defensive secondary problem, or is it more of the line problem, or was it just all hand-in-hand,
1: play-to-play? You know, Turner Gill had a great scheme. Uh, and one thing I learned from Anthony Lynn, who's now the, the head football coach for the L.A. Chargers, is how to read a defense from a running back perspective because in the NFL, running backs are key in the blocking uh, scheme. Uh, and safety, And he told me safeties would tell you everything about the defense. Okay. So if a safety's lined up in the middle of the field 20 yards from the ball, and you got an outside linebacker walked up on the line of scrimmage, looking like he's about to blitz. He is not going to blitz because that safety can't get to the, that slot receiver and cover him in space from 20 yards. Right. Now, if that safety's 10 yards off the ball over the slot and that guy's on the line of scrimmage, you better you know bet your bottom dollar that that safety is covering that slot guy a man and that uh, outside linebacker is coming. So what Turner Gill did, he you know and the quarterback did was really, really phenomenal, is that they looked and assessed the defense, looked to the sideline, and then they called plays that benefited them offensively. And then they executed well. Um, So it's a combination of a great, great scheme that Turner Gill and the Liberty Flames had, um, also with piss-poor back-end play Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and not a lot of aggressiveness or, or time to get to the quarterback yeah um, you know same thing with you know Peyton Manning and, and Tom Brady they don't hold on to the ball long unless it's deep play action passes right. then that's when the line uh, typically gives up a sack right but if you're getting the ball out of your hand quick that's how you know some of these quarterbacks have very very long careers because they don't they're, they're never getting hit. were you with were you like me did you see
0: a failure to adjust? Cause I kept I kept seeing guys rotate in, but I saw very little adjustment as far as what we were trying to do defensively.
1: So, this whole adjustment thing is, you know, it's crazy. You know, you go in and you come back out and you stop the defense, and you go out there and score fifty points. they by like all oh, these great halftime adjustments. Um, the adjustments are small and minute. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to got guy, these guys have been practicing this defense for eight nine months. They're not about to go out there and change much at halftime. You know, they'll right. say, "Hey, when you see this, expect this." And they'll g- give you a, a little help in anticipating what's coming, but they're not going to come out and say, "Hey, f- scrap everything we did. Her- here's what we're going to do now," because right. that's just that's just not reality. Right. Um, and and teams that do that, they're they probably been together for you know you know two or three years, and coach like, "Hey, y'all remember what we did against this team this year?" And we're going to do, you know, the same thing in the second half. Uh, so I think, you know, we were aligned well uh, in our coverage. Um, we also were on plays. Liberty caught tough balls. I mean, you know, guy catching a slant and catching and getting hit and upended and flipped over and he holds on it. Right. Guys catching one-handed, you know, catches while getting hit. Right. Um, sideline balls are like right on the sideline no one else can catch it um, I mean th- that was a, a very very well executed game uh, and obviously I thought we had the talent to keep up with him but uh, we just didn't make any plays on defense mm. uh the quarterback for Liberty um, he made one mistake and scored off of his one mistake
0: yeah. Yeah,
1: which was crazy because that goes back to open field tackling. Right, he made some guys miss in open field on his first run of the game. Right, which which frustrated the fool out of me. Yeah, yeah. So that um, I mean that, you know, like I said, they, these guys didn't look fresh. They look didn't they look fast, and, and you talk about physicality. I mean, you can't be physical in space where there's you know ten yards between me and you. The last thing I'm talking, about, trying to do, if you're the receiver and I'm a linebacker coming down on you, is trying to take your helmet off. Mm-hmm. What I'm trying to do, I'm like, I got to get this guy to the ground no matter what or else he's about to go score 70. In the NFL, when Adrian Peterson running through the A-gap and Ray Lewis is in the A-gap, there is a physical contact. Right. If Adrian Peterson is on the sideline and Ray Lewis is on the sideline and they're 10 yards of space, Ray Lewis is dry land diving. He's, he's trying to trip him up to get right. him down or slow him down so that he can have rally come into him. But there's not a collision when you got 10 yards of, of space, especially with the type of talent that you see uh, in our league where, you know, we just like to put really really freakish athletes in space right. and let them run around. So right.
0: Okay. Offensively, give me your thoughts before I ask any specific questions. What do you think of what we did on offense?
1: You know, I think um, I think there was uh, uh, some good things. Uh, I think um, our offensive line did well once they got in the groove and putting the ball on the ground uh, and moving and creating some holes. Uh, I thought the running backs bounced a couple of times when they should have just kept it up inside yeah. uh, and made some plays, get the dirty yards. And that's the that's the benefit of like those you know pro style, you know Alabama type offenses, run game schemes at least is that you you keep gashing them, gashing them, gashing them. And then next thing you know the safety fills the wrong gap and then you know you, you're off to the races so so that happens but um mm-hmm. receivers got to catch the ball mm-hmm. i mean a new through the ball well mm-hmm. enough to win the game yeah now there's some you know plays that um obviously didn't go as well and we had some wide open guys that he overshot or didn't didn't hit uh but they got to help him out in catching some big time balls and i mean turning the game around you know mm-hmm. a couple of those you know set up touchdown drives could could would be touchdown drives and one of them is a touchdown play that was dropped yes and so and and you just got to catch the ball that's the name of the game we didn't catch any of those balls and liberty caught all of them yeah and so you, know, you got to help the quarterback out make tough catches uh because he, he stood in there and he, he took some shots and he Kept making big plays, and, and, and we got to continue to um, fight for a new. Uh, and then I thought we used his legs a little late in the game. I mm-hmm. think if you put him in some you know, RPO, uh, run pass option um, situations, I think he makes good decisions, better decisions, uh, knowing when to drop it off or when to use his legs or, or reading a defensive line. So you so, would have liked
0: to see that sooner?
1: He, he, Obviously, we're thin, and um, Zach Smith has a big arm. Um, but he's not as mobile, so you don't want to get a new hurt right. early in the game against Liberty, and you still have 11 more teams that's going only going to get better as the season goes. So uh, I think you, you use them to open up some things to maybe keep defensive, you know, offensive linemen honest, you I know, mean, uh, defensive uh, uh, linebackers honest, uh, so you can create those you know short windows over the middle and and, and make them respect that part of your game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I wouldn't, you know, try to run him to death because that'd be that'd be brutal.
0: Yeah, you talked about receivers dropping balls. We really only had four receivers in the game, the whole game. It was Platt, Mims, Nicholson, and Pooh Strickland were rotating in. I was a little frustrated we didn't give a couple more guys chances just because I I felt like, you know, we've had a few drops. We need somebody to spark the offense. We need somebody to make a play. Chris Platt I thought played pretty great, and other than that, I thought you could have seen better from all of the guys. And R.J. Snead, Gavin Holmes, put Blake Lynch back, you know, out there in the slot. Would you have liked to see more rotation as well, or do you think they just don't have the bodies?
1: You know, a lot of it is when you're putting, you know, guys in rotation is trust. Uh, especially from a coach's standpoint, uh, and and a quarterback standpoint, you don't want to put a guy in there that you can't trust to run the right route, uh, or block, or or do what you tell them to do, or, or play full speed. So I, I think from a rotation standpoint, uh, the offensive coordinator and re- receiver coaches probably just trusted. And it's nothing against the guys that didn't play. Mm-hmm. There, there's still a lot of football to be learned, um, but I, I I don't I don't mind the rotation. I, I think the guys that were in there needed to step up and make big plays. Yeah. Um, for For a very, very young offensive lineman, just to give each other confidence. I mean, you feed off the momentum, and, uh, and I thought we had the momentum a couple times, uh, and then we stopped Liberty, made them go three and out, and then we went three and out again. Right. I mean, so and then that, from that point on, there was, the rest was history. You know, Liberty kept you know grinding and out and, and getting in the end zone. Um, but um, the the whole rotation is not a big factor. Um, typically, you have about three to four receivers to help you win a game, mm-hmm. week in and week out. And I thought those three to four receivers were on the field most of the time. Okay. It'll be interesting to see our tight ends get into to um, um, the pass game a little bit more, especially when we're, heavy when we're doing a run game and some of the play action and stuff. But um, you know, there's a couple of times where I saw Ish, you know, doing like a, a down block and rolling out in the flats. But uh, Anu wasn't looking that way. And then I thought that Ish, you know, rode his guy a little fur, further down than he should. Uh, and it was a little delayed getting back. So maybe he, was, he wasn't he was even in the quarterback's uh, eyesight. But um, there's still a lot of kinks, man. You got some guys that are learning how to play college football. Uh, but like I said, it doesn't get much better from here on out.
0: What is, what is your outlook for the rest of the season then? Do we – Do we remain optimistic and say, okay, you know, we've got talent, we can figure it out, or do we say, man, this might just be the bottom and and we can only hope to go up? I mean, you don't want to give up on a whole season as a fan after one game, but it was a hard game. So what are we looking for to improve and what are we looking for to win some games down the road?
1: You know, I think it starts with energy. At least get these guys excited. Yeah. to come out and play. yeah, It, it kind of felt like the, the season that ended um, last year. Mm. It, it felt like the same team, the same morale. The crowd wasn't into the game. Mm. Um, and whenever they got into the game, made some noise on third down, our defense gave up huge plays. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think to help get this team going in the right direction, and I'm not a big predictor of, you know, how many games we win or who we beat. Um, I think to help this team get in the right direction, we need a lot of excitement. And uh, and that comes down from wanting to play for, you, for your coach. And I'm not saying they don't want to play for, for Matt Rule. I just think he he's the guy in the locker room that everyone gets excited to play for. And somehow he has to find what makes these guys tick and go out there and use that energy to help win some ball games. Uh, I don't think – I think – you know, we have a really, really good chance of beating UTSA. Um, I don't think UTSA will throw and catch the ball as well as Liberty did, uh, but they do have a little better talent. Um, so, protecting the ball on offense, uh, getting getting the, the 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 defense off the field after third down, and then um, just making plays, man, catching the ball when when you have the ball thrown to you uh and then when you're in there on the guy breaking up passes i thought we was in position to break up a lot of passes they didn't get their head around not not quick enough yeah well and it doesn't help i mean not to make
0: excuses because i like what you said it's about expectations but you have a wide receiver and a true freshman out there most of the game a cornerback uh you know it's a little frustrating and i don't know you know, I did tell somebody going into the game, I said, you can't expect a lot of it out of our secondary tonight.
1: They're all freshmen and sophomores, but that was bad, man. You think Alabama cares about freshmen and sophomores? <laughs> no, I don't. You it's... think, you know, Florida State, Clemson? You know, the, the thing about college football, you have a lot of talented people. Yeah. Yeah, and they, they probably will get picked on. I'm sure Liberty will look across the board and say, hey, man, we got to go out to these, you know, freshman receivers, I mean, uh, DBs. You got to go out there and play you know, this is not, you know, your your mama's not gonna fix you dinner when you come home and make your ice cream. You're gonna go sit in your room and you're gonna have to do some homework and you're gonna have to get better next week because you putting that on film, don't think UTSA doesn't know. Yeah. I felt like, um Yeah. I felt like U T S uh, Liberty knew more about us and not having any Baylor game film on this new coaching staff than we knew on them and Turner Gill's been there for six years. Yeah. So you can take that for whatever. That's great.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. All right, hey, t- let's let's turn it to a little bit of a positive note. Uh, let's talk about you, cause you're my favorite. I don't know if I've told you this. You're my favorite Baylor running back ever. Hold to that. Well,
1: thank you. I really
0: like Terrence Williams. That's on the squad now, yeah. but he's hurt. We got to see if he can come back, come back and be good. But um, I enjoyed watching you play. What is if you had to pick your favorite play? It was a singular play you ran uh, at, at while you were at Baylor. What was it? What was the biggest? The best, the most fun, bright spot.
1: You know, um, yeah. There was a lot of great plays, man, and I, I guess you know some of my favorite plays are just you know making an unselfish block and springing a a, a touchdown pass or a run and uh, just helping win. I, I hate I hate losing um, <laughs> with a passion. I know um, it. Uh, but I guess you know you know just for the the sake of, of saying it. Um, you know, the Washington the, the long touchdown run to help get our offense back in, in the game. Um, you know, I I mean you you know, you know, my faith and what I proclaim. Um I um coach Lebby, he calls and it, it sounded like the uh Kansas game. We were down against Kansas, uh Twenty-four to three going in the fourth quarter. I
0: Remember
1: that, yeah. And Coach Levy calls. He said, "Hey, man, we're probably not going to run the ball. Just block it up really well, protect the quarterback, and and uh, let's go win a game." And uh, he calls me. He said similar thing, and I'm like, "Man, f that! Give me the f ball. and ball." <laughs> and and I think that probably shocked him. And um, we went out there, and I said, Lyman, all you got to do is block one person. I'm taking this to the house." Right you now. said that before that play. Yeah, yeah, so. <laughs> Uh, I said, just block one guy, and I'll take this one to the house. And um, sure enough, I mean, it was it, it was a run play. Um, boom, 89 yards later in end zone. And then you know, later in the game, we always had you know problems with slowing down the game because right. then we get more. It, you just become um, more predictable. So they stack more people in the box, and then everyone knows you're running. So it's just harder to get some create some open lanes. And then everybody's like, no, 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 we're not doing that. And um, I said, Coach, I was talking to Coach KB. I said, Coach, you give me the ball right now, I'll go score. And this is right at the end of the game, and we ran zip. Uh, Jordan Navarre had a great block, and, you know, 50 yards later, I'm in the end zone again. And it's just one of those things that we really have had a great, talented team, uh, talented old linemen, uh, but we also, we hated losing. Yeah. Um, And I think if you really want to be great, uh, at least in my mind, you have to hate losing more than you love winning, hmm. uh, and and I despise it, bro. My, and my my daughter races my wife sometimes, and my daughter's four years old and she cries when she loses. She hates it, and I I love That's it. That's her daddy in her. I love it, but she's gonna <laughs> she's gonna beat a lot of people up, so I'm I'm sure I'm gonna have a lot of pink slips from school. Oh, <laughs> uh, but um, you know my it. time at Baylor was great. Uh, very very fortunate to be able to wear the green and gold and. And uh, and represent you know my household name with my name on the back and um, you know I wish I wish this team the best I wish Matt Rule the best uh, There's a lot of ahead obviously There's a lot of things uh, that we need to get over but uh, that doesn't write um, um, off what you have right now and 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 how fortunate you know the guys the coaches are to be at Baylor University yeah. the the university that we all love and and hold dear. So uh, wishing them um, a a really, really quick bounce back and uh, early recovery for uh, UTSA this weekend. For sure. Hey, thank you so much. It's good to talk to you. Appreciate it. Anytime, Scotty.
0: I just want to send a big thank you to my friend Terrence Ganaway for coming on the podcast and really giving us some great insight. There were two things he said in particular that really struck me. One was when he said he doesn't want excuses, he he likes to have expectations. And he took that to where he said, do you think Alabama cares if it's freshmen and sophomores playing? Terrence wants to see Baylor football be an elite program with expectations to win games we're supposed to win despite the circumstances. And I love that about Terrence. The other thing he said that really stuck with me was this This idea of adjustments at halftime that these fans have sometimes are misconstrued, and we we don't know what we're talking about. Coaches don't go in at halftime and make these radical, crazy adjustments. They just might mention to a few players what the other team is trying to do. That was interesting, because I feel like so many times we, as fans, say, Adjustments! Make adjustments! Look at the adjustments! And that's really not what's happening most of the time. So, Terrence obviously knows what he's talking about. He's been in that locker room. He's been on that field. And so I really appreciated his perspective. Another thing he said that was kind of interesting was he talked about that he thinks the lack of energy the Baylor team had was a big factor in the loss. I hadn't even really considered that right after the game, but he's right. Those guys didn't look fired up to play. There was some sort of pep in their step that just was not there. And I do wonder if that has something to do with Matt Rule's coaching style and the way that they have pushed the guys at practice, pushed them to be physical. You know, we heard John Morris just a couple weeks ago talk about the fact that if you watch those practices, you'd see they're hitting on each other. I wonder if that has something to do with the injuries. And I wonder if that has something to do with the lack of energy that showed on Saturday. If you have thoughts about this, please let me know. You can email me at Swingler at gmail.com all caps podcast or contact us on twitter at bear underscore podcast i want you to be involved in the banter i got a few good thoughts from some listeners this week most of which were to be expected one listener said you know we seriously need to tamper our expectations and as, as i said earlier in the show that's probably true another listener said it just looked like we were flat which again goes back to this energy question i just asked And I also heard, you know, I just underestimated how much the injuries were going to affect us on the field. And that is also a valid response. Again, I want you to be involved in the banter. Part of this podcast is the interaction and the conversation. So please contact me. Let me know your thoughts, and we will include them in the next episode. I'm going to do one more segment looking back on this past Saturday's game called The Good, The Bad, The Ugly. And I will probably be doing this every week just to evaluate our team's performance. So here we go. First of all, the good. Anu Solomon. Anu Solomon was easily the best part of Baylor's performance on Saturday. The senior quarterback showed his moxie. He showed his toughness. He really was the guy that kept us in the football game. He made some great throws he was hampered by some drops along the way and I thought it was really really crappy of our coaches to take him out for the final play and I've actually bantered with some of you about this I know Zach Smith has the biggest arm on the team but a new Solomon led us to the point of having a chance to win he was money on the deep balls all night long I don't think you pull him out for the very last play I think that doesn't show a lot of confidence in your leader but Anu Solomon was definitely the good out of the game. The bad. I'm actually going to go with Denzel Mims. Man, listen, Matt Rule has been talking this guy up all spring, summer, and fall camp. And he's fast, and he's tall, and he's physical. But the dude had two Drops that were just atrocious. There is no excuse for that if you're going to be the starting wide receiver on a team. Like you heard me say to Terrence, I almost wish we had played a couple of more guys just to push Mims Pooh Strickland, for example, I thought was a better receiver Saturday than Mims. And obviously Chris Platt played really well. I would have liked to see RJ Snead or Gavin Holmes get out there to push Mims for playing time. I also would have liked to see Blake Lynch play on the offensive side of the ball like Matt Rule said he would when he said he'd play both ways. I think a lot of receivers have the potential to be really good for us. And if Denzel Mims is going to be dropping stuff all over the field, I don't want him out there. It's a little bit of a harsh take. And we're going to have to see what he does against UTSA. And I'm not saying he's a bad football player. But I want guys that can make plays during the game. If you practice great but can't make it happen when it counts, I'm sorry. I don't want you out there. Denzel Mims was bad. The Ugly. Everyone on Baylor's defense not named Taylor Young. Gosh, y'all, I just we cannot emphasize enough how ugly that defense was, missing open field tackles, not being in the right places in coverage. Matt Rule talked in a press conference earlier this week about defensive guys missing adjustments and assignments mid-play, and so you've got essentially guys running two different defenses at the same time, why there were so many openings in the back. I just don't understand how it could be that ugly after we've heard discipline and being physical preached all year. Man, that defense was ugly. I already know I'm going to get some feedback about Denzel Mims making big plays on Saturday. And yeah, he had a big touchdown catch, and he had a big catch down the sideline. But as I mentioned, drops for a receiver are unacceptable when you are supposed to be the number one guy. And so I'm not trying to be too hard on the kid, I'm sure he's a good guy, and I'm sure he's made some great plays in practice, and he made some good plays Saturday. My point is simply that you can't have two crucial drops when you are the go-to big fast receiver. I just want to see more out of Mims. I think I expect a lot out of him, and so I'm going to hold him to a high standard, kind of like Terrence Ganaway talked about earlier in the podcast. Hey, that's about all I've got for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Again, I am so sorry this was published a little bit later than anticipated. We will do our best to get episode four up on Monday with all the reaction from UTSA. If you want your thoughts included on the Please Bear With Me podcast, email scott, S-C-O-T-T, Swingler, S-W-I-N-G-L-E-R, at gmail.com, subject podcast, all caps, or contact me on Twitter at bear underscore podcast. Let me know what you think about these Baylor Bears, and we will include you on the next episode. I also got a request from somebody to do a Bears in the NFL segment, and we will be doing that starting Monday as well after week one of the NFL games. That's all I've got. Thanks for listening. I would like to thank Travis Thompson for producing the music that you heard on today's podcast. I want to thank Jeremy Wilson, and I want to thank all of you who have followed us on Twitter, Followed us on Facebook and given so much love and support. We will be back better than ever on Monday. Thanks again. I'm Scotty Smith.